Justin Shears and welcome to Only a Northern Song. In this series, I'll be exploring the words and the music of the Beatles, but not through the usual tracks that we all know so well. I'll be delving into my extensive collection of outtakes, home recordings and demos, alternate mixes and interviews, to shed some new light on lesser known aspects of the Beatles' recorded legacy. In our last episode, we explored side A of the Let It Be album through early working versions of each song drawn from the hours and hours of Nagra film reels and the acetates prepared by Get Back Sessions producer Glyn Johns, recordings which were considered for release but eventually reassembled by Phil Spector. This time we flipped the LP over onto side B. December 1968 home demo of one of the few songs offered by John for the new project. Titled Everybody Had a Hard Year, it was nothing but a circular chord pattern with a few lines. Without doubt, John was writing from the heart. A divorce from Cynthia, separated from his son Julian, a miscarriage with Yoko, a drug bust and a possession charge. Probably not a year he'd look back upon with fondness. Oh, yeah. 
From the very first day of the Get Back Sessions, the 2nd of January 1969, John's run-through of Everybody Had a Hard Year. The same day, Paul had arrived with the idea of an upbeat and optimistic number, presumably written with Linda in mind. Just, just, Thank you. 
Now, as we all know, John and Paul didn't mind dovetailing some of their unfinished numbers to make a complete song. After all, John's snarky middle eight for Paul's hopeful We Can Work It Out had worked a treat back in 1965. Sharing a similar two-chord progression, John's downbeat ditty provided the perfect foil for Paul's optimism. I've got a feeling from the Glyn Johns acetate recorded on the 23rd of January, now with Billy Preston adding some bluesy electric piano licks. In just a week, the song would be performed on the roof of the Apple Building for the whole of London to hear for the very first time. Track two on side B was a song which had been kicking around since the late 1950s, representing one of the earliest Lennon and McCartney compositions.
The Beatles, or at least Paul, had toyed with the idea of resurrecting some of their oldest compositions for this new project, giving them a more up-to-date arrangement. Teenage titles such as Too Bad About Sorrows, Just Fun and I'll Wait Until Tomorrow got a cursory run in the first few days at Twickenham, but went no further. However, on the second day of shooting, when 1 After 909 was brought out for the very first time, it took everyone by surprise. Listen carefully for the band's reaction as they finished the song. It's great, that's it. It's good. Uh, 
I was meant to just change the words a bit and do something. But it's not. But it's so great. What a fellow on that. To move on, honey, I'm traveling on that line. <laughs> <laughs> move on, want to move on. Come on, baby, don't get cold as I am. You're only fooling around. You're only fooling around with me. Yeah. Well, should we just practice that for a bit? Yeah. What? Or maybe we should just do it without practicing. What? <laughs> no, practicing it, fuck it up. Yeah, right. So, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll just know where we're going. We won't sort of arrange it or anything, that's it. We just have uh, first, oh, you know, two no, verses, bridge, third verse. I mean, so she's on a train. Yes. And he sort of... He goes to the station. station. Man, <laughs> but he goes back and finds it was the wrong number. So... Wrong location. To rhyme with station, you know. That's great. Mail, railman said, you got the wrong location. Well... Great. Our kids have been saying you should do that for years. Yeah, I mean, so, well, like you, know, you know, Mike, you don't understand Always about like, these yeah. things. You know. Yeah, the yeah. yeah, most people just don't. Give a shit what the words are about. Yeah, right. As long as it's just popping along. Forget that you know you don't sort of think they're sophisticated enough. You know, that one after nine and nine location station. Like, we always thought it wasn't finished, however. Yeah. Couldn't do all the finishing. One after nine oh nine, captured on the Nagra reels of the third of January. From the ensuing discussion, it was clear that the Beatles had discarded the song after recording it at EMI in March 1963, dismissing its illogical and unfinished lyrics. Paul reveals that Our Kid, Northern English translation for My Little Brother, Mike McCartney, had always seen value in the song and had encouraged them to persevere with it. And persevere they did. The song would be rehearsed many times during these sessions, both at Twickenham and at Apple Studios, until this take was captured on the multi-track reels.
from the 29th of January, take three of one after 9.09. Of course, just like I've Got a Feeling and Dig a Pony, the superb rendition of a song would be performed on the rooftop as part of the culminating show the very next day. The next cut from Side B is a song which would become a staple of Paul McCartney's career for decades to come. There's a nice song of Paul's, which is one of those that probably hundreds of people will record. Somebody's going to have a hit with it. It's called The Long and Winding Road. It's like one of those um, ballad, standard sort of things.
door to door But leave me standing here Long, long time ago Don't leave me standing here Leave me to your door Two recordings of The Long and Winding Road, the first ever rendition played for the cameras on the 7th of January, and a quirky Latino vamp from the 26th. With its imagery of the 16-mile lane leading from High Park, Paul's Farm in Scotland, through to Kintyre and to Campbelltown, The Long and Winding Road is another song of loss and the unattainable. As McCartney described it, a door never reached and a road you never get to the end of. As a piano-based number, just like Let It Be, there was no possibility of the song being performed live on the rooftop. So it was tracked downstairs in the studio with several takes being captured on the eight-track tape. This take was mixed for the Beatles and included on the Glyn Johns acetate.
the long and winding road from the 26th of January 1969. It would be this same take which Phil Spector would get his hands on to add lavish strings and a choir, much to Paul's displeasure at the time. Irrespective of its final treatment, the song would grow to be synonymous with the name McCartney. There's one song which is a 12 bar, because I've never written a 12 bar before, and that's called For You Blue, and it's just a very simple foot tapping uh, 12 bar. That probably is the best because George's second contribution to the LP was the only one actually recorded in January 1969. I Me Mine, of course, was re-recorded by the Beatles, minus John, in January 1970. Having introduced it to the rest of the band at Twickenham on the 7th, the Beatles would rehearse the song again on the 9th, one of the versions of which we just heard. The song would need to wait until the band had relocated to Apple Studios before recording proper would commence. 
Sounded lovely. Do you wanna do it? Just do one more. Does this guitar sound in tune, Glenn? Yeah. The thing is that if we are gonna just use any of these for the masters, then it's uh, well they you know they just From the twenty fifth of January nineteen sixty nine, take four of For You Blue. Take seven from the same day would be marked as best and released as track four on the Let It Be LP. The final track on the album was a song which gave the entire project its original name. Surprisingly, the song itself seemed to grow out of thin air, with some bass guitar improvisations and vocalising by Paul.
From the 7th of January, the rhythmic bass chords which would become Get Back. Rehearsals on the 9th revealed that while the basis of the chord progression and the chorus were in place, there was no firm feel about the direction that the lyrics would take. I think there's some words we can. It's, I don't know what it's about. It's about going away and then the chorus will get back. So I, I just... Actually, it's not about anything. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, we'll just have those words, just words that like that Caledonian mission. They're just nothing about anything, it's just like rubbish. As long as it's now it's still sad. later a vamped up version would be captured by the Nagra Reels, sporting seemingly improvised lyrics on a subject which had been in the newspapers that very day. Prime Minister Harold Wilson responding to the anti-immigration rants of right-wing nationalist MP Enoch Powell. Don't dig no Pakistanis taking all the people's jobs. Oh, get back! Get back! Get back to where you once belong!
the latest incarnation of Get Back recorded on the 9th of January. Rehearsals and experimentation with lyrics would continue until Paul nailed down the story of Jojo. Much work on the arrangements was done, moving away from the harsh attacking sounds of the 9th and the 10th, reverting to a more laid-back feel. Normally, George would invent a solo to fill the instrumental spot of each song, but this time, Paul asked John to take centre stage, something which was somewhat of a rarity on Beatles recordings. I played the solo on that, yeah. When Paul was feeling kind, he'd give me a solo. You know, if he, maybe if he was feeling guilty that he'd had most of the A-sides or something, he'd give me a solo, you know? And I played the solo on that. Uh, that your solo before, little, that little tone was yeah, much yeah, better. Yeah, it's just that I thought, I'm never going to be heard. Well, then we've all just got to come listen to you. you know, we all have to just come back. See, it's that. We don't need to go louder for yes, the solo. Yes, I come quieter for the solo. Yeah. By the time the Apple sessions rolled around, the Beatles had been joined by the one and only Billy Preston on keys, the addition of which lifted the song's arrangement as it did with several songs on the album. Billy explains how he got to know the Beatles. I met the Beatles when I did the tour with Little Richard and they were opening act on the show. And uh, we became friends then because they would always come and ask me about Richard, about America. So we became really close. and then uh, after they had made it big, I went to see them in San Francisco, and, and we went out and partied, you know, and uh, it was great. Um, but then it wasn't until I was with Ray Charles in Europe, and George Harrison came to the concert, and he recognized me, and he sent a note back for me to give him a call. So I called him, and they were at the studio. He said, come on down and see the guys, and they were there recording, working on Let It Be. So I came in, and they said, hey, it's happening. And so we started jamming and reminiscing old songs, and then John asked me, would I like to stay over and help them finish the album? I said, sure I would, you know. So uh, I stayed over, and um, during the time we were working on Let It Be, we also did the Abbey Road and, and um, the White Album. So I was over in, in England about six months out of the year. And I'd stay at George's house, and oh, it was fabulous. The guys were just, I mean, it's such a glow when all four of those guys are together. It's just like the room glows, you know. Very exciting. Get Back progressed to the point that the band decided it would be the next single release, ahead of the new album. Wanting to acknowledge Billy Preston's fine work on the track, it was agreed that he would receive a credit on the label of the 45, something which raised more than a few questions upon release. John, I have a question for you. On Get Back, there's a a title and a credit line at the end uh, with Billy Preston. Oh, yeah. Why did you bring an outside person in 
four Beatles songs. Well, I mean, we've often used other musicians on millions of records, you know, I can't understand it. And we just named uh, Billy because Billy was playing a, a pretty funky piano solo, that's all. So, he used to play with uh, Ray Charles' band, you know, and he came over and he's, he signed up for Apple and George's producing an LP with him. And he's a groovy cat, and he just comes in and sits on the session and, and lays it on you, you know. And so we thought we'd give him a credit. So you're just giving credit where credit's due, right? It says with Billy Preston. It doesn't say Billy Preston instead of the Beatles. I mean, I don't understand how these myths get going. Fine for you. Thanks for clearing it up. Okay, Bonnie.
Get Back, recorded on the 27th of January 1969, lifted straight from the Glyn Johns acetate. And it was this same version, with an extra coda edited on from the 28th, which would be used as the single release in March 1969, giving the band its 17th number one hit, and would close the Let It Be LP. It would also be the very last song the Beatles ever performed in public. Not bad for a song which had, only three weeks later, started as a few bass chords and some mumbling. Of course, all singles need a flip side, and it seemed that a song which John had been working on since late 1968 would fit the bill. That could be part of that. Well, I'm in love for the first time Don't you know
John's home demo of Don't Let Me Down and a cut from the very first day of the Get Back Sessions. A song about the insecurity of love, in a similar vein to If I Fell, John's song was a plea to Yoko, the woman he would marry in just two months' time. As much as Get Back would be rehearsed ad nauseum, so too would Don't Let Me Down. With John showing little interest in arranging even his own songs, Paul would again step in to try new things including a little counter-melody to be sung by him and George in the middle eight. Nobody ever really does 
farewell from Rocky and the Rubbers. This is Dirty Mac himself saying, I've got a feeling. From the 8th of January, an impassioned version of Don't Let Me Down. And by the 22nd, the song was beginning to sound pretty much like its finished form, with one very important missing piece of the puzzle now added, Billy Preston. Okay, what is it? I was just into it. Do a nice big for me, you know, to give me the courage to come screaming in. One, two, three, four.
Well, that's it for this episode. Next time, we'll wrap up our look at the Get Back Sessions with the culminating event which quickly made its way into rock history, the famous Rooftop Concert. Until next time... Get back home. Oh, we gotta get together.